Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. Uh, my name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. Uh, it's time for Tim with Tim. Uh, love you guys so much. Thanks for being with me. We just go verse by verse through the Word of God. We have had a great week in the Word. Finishing up the book of Isaiah, not today, but Monday. We'll do chapter 65 today, chapter 66 on Monday, then we'll start something new. Uh, Isaiah is a long book, and this has been uh, quite a lot to bite off and chew, but I think it's been good. And uh, Isaiah chapter 65 and 66, all the, we finish in a beautiful way, so let's jump right in. Uh, chapter 65 is considered uh, a salvation judgment oracle. In other words, there is both salvation for uh, those who turn to the Lord and judgment upon those who rebel against him, who turn away from him. So there's a salvation slash judgment oracle here from the prophet. Uh, also, just pay attention to the uh, amazing way in which these chapters, these last chapters, work together in sequence. We, we talked yesterday about chapter 64, you know, oh, that you would just burst the heavens and come down, you know, uh, we're constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? Uh, Lord, how long will you refuse to help us? Uh, verse 12, how long will you continue to be silent and punish us? You know, so chapter 64, chapter 63 also just asks these, you know, really hard questions uh, about the Lord. Where are you and what's taking you so long and how long will you ignore us? How long will you punish us? Chapter 65 is God's answer to all of those questions and complaints and these, you know, chapters of lament that have come before. So chapter 65, we're reading today, starts right off. I was ready to respond, but nobody asked for help, you know? I was ready to be found, but nobody was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that wasn't looking for me, wasn't calling on my name. Now, amazing and beautiful. Um, it, it's, it's, I mean, just stop a minute and, and, and think about that because we spend so much of our time, you know, wondering, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering me? You, you know, why aren't you helping me? And it just comes right back around. You know, I was ready to be found, but you aren't really looking for me. Uh, it, if you've ever raised a teenager, you've experienced this. You, you know, how whatever happens, it's your fault, you know, because the teenager, it's never their fault, you know. So they're grounded, you know, or they, you know, lost their phone or privileges, you know. But in their mind, you know, you took away their phone because you're mean, you know, not because, you know, she was sexting her boyfriend. I mean, sorry. You know what I mean, though? Uh, it's just funny. Like, that's how a teenager's brain works. You know, it's 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 your fault. You know, they don't take any response. Not all teenagers, but you know what I'm saying. Um, before there can be true confession and repentance and therefore true restoration and healing, there has to be an honest acknowledgement of responsibility. That's what confession is. Confession, you know, confess your sins. Uh, it means to agree with God, you know. Stop making excuses for yourself. Stop, you know, somehow, you know, thinking of this as somehow not your fault, you know. At some point, you just have to stop, agree with God, and say, I am a sinner. I'm a constant sinner. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, and this is where chapter 65 picks up so beautifully. It's the Lord just laying it out and, and saying, you know, listen, you fell because you rebelled and not because somehow I let you down or you, you didn't, you know, fall, you know, because I turned away from you. You know, you turned away from me, you know, and God forces the people to take responsibility here. And I loved it. All day long, I opened my arms to rebellious people, but they followed their own evil paths and their own crooked schemes. All day long, they insult me to my face, you know. 
guys, I, I just love that. Again, it's a simple answer to an age-old question, God, where are you? And he just says, I'm right here when you decide to start looking for me, you know, and not just complaining about me. Um, anyway, uh, it picks up that idea I've pointed out along the way, this remnant theology that you find in the book of Isaiah. Verse 9, I will preserve a remnant of the people of Israel. Uh, I love that. I love the analogy in verse 8 of the, the grapes. You ever buy grapes? Uh, uh, you know how uh, I mean, the analogy here is sometimes you find good grapes in a cluster of bad ones. You know, I, I've seen that, you know, or you get a, a bag of grapes that look really, really pretty at Myers, and then you get them home and then there's like, you know, you know, bad grapes in there. Uh, like some are good and some of them are like boogers. And, <laughs> and so uh, it's just this idea that, yeah, on the same vine, on the same bunch of grapes, you, you can have good and you can have bad. And, and that's just a fact. And it's a fact of, of God's people and his struggle with them in salvation history that even in the people of God, even in this, you know, cluster of grapes, there's going to be mixed good and bad. Um, Jesus said the same thing in his parable of the wheat and the weeds. Remember that when uh, the farmer sowed the, the, the grain in the, in the soil expecting good crop, but then the enemy came and sowed, you know, weeds in his middle of his wheat field. And so the weeds and the wheat were growing up together and the servants said, hey, want us to go do some weeding? Want us to go pull out the weeds? And the master said, no, you're not as good as you think you are at telling the good wheat from the bad weeds. Just we'll do it at the harvest. You know, in other words, you don't, you're not as good as you think you are at, at knowing a person's heart. And, 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 and this is the point here, that, that there's a remnant of people whose hearts are turned toward the Lord and, and they're going to be all mixed up. There's going to be some good ones right in the middle of the bad ones. And you can't always tell, but the Lord can be trusted. The Lord can tell. That goes back to verse 6 where he says, Look, my decree is written out or it is written before me. It's just this idea that, I mean, it may be confusing to you down here, but the, the accurate records are kept in heaven. And there he sees and knows everything perfectly clearly. Quickly, let me go to verse 17 because I love the last part here. It begins, Look, I am creating a new heavens and a new earth. I, I love this section of this chapter so much. Look, uh, first thing he says is, Look. Now, God's about to describe the future that he is creating, but it starts with, Look. In other words, if you're going to experience the future that God is bringing us into, the first thing you're going to have to learn to do is see. You've got to learn to see from, from God's perspective. You've got to learn to look through his eyes. Because I'm telling you, God's vision is the only vision, the only perspective, the only vantage that counts. Now, when God says, look, I'm creating, this isn't God saying, I've got this dream and it may or may not happen, but this is what I'm dreaming about. No, no. When God says, this is what I'm doing, then understand, this is what's coming. This isn't a, a, you know, a possible future. This is the future. This is what God is doing. He's telling you now what he's doing. So when God tells you what he's doing, you just listen to God. It's not like this won't happen. This is exactly the world that he's making. What that means, of course, is that the world that we're living in, the world you know, this is not the word, the world that God wills and intends. This is not the world that God means for us. That's why God's making a new one. So that's why you can be very discouraged looking at the world outside, looking at the suffering, looking at the, whew, you know, the violence, the, you know, the sin, the, the, gosh, the cancer, all of this. 
The point is, no, this is not, this is not what God wills. And, and verse 17 and 4 just sort of gives you an idea. This, this is the world that I want, and this is the world that I'm making. I, I love it so much. Look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy, but it goes further. Uh, I love this no longer section because understand, God's calling us into the future. He's always calling you. God's never called anybody back into the past, always forward into the future. And, and with that, this section of things no longer, no longer will babies die when a few days old. Oh, you know, no more. Have you experienced that? You know, miscarriage or the loss of a child, you know, and this is one of those things God says no longer, you know. Those are the very moments when people say, where is God? Why would God do this? Or even worse, you know, when people say, well, God just wanted another flower for his bouquet. <laughs> or God, I guess God needed her worse than, than we do. I mean, gosh, people say horrible things to make it sound like God wants children to be killed. I mean, you know, and, and God reveals right here, no, that's not, that's not what he wants. You know, he doesn't want a world where children die before their parents, you know, doesn't want that. So he's no longer, no longer, and no longer will adults die young, you know, no longer. You know, you ever just been to that funeral, somebody that just died so soon, and and you think, why did God let, you know, and, and this is what God is saying. No, no, this is the world I want. No longer, no longer will these things happen. No longer. Gosh, I love it. No longer, you know, people aren't going to build houses, you know, and never get to live in them. They're going to build a house and live in it. They're going to eat the fruit of their own vineyards and not like the past when it all gets stolen and taken away. You know, man, you're not going to work in vain. Children won't be, you know, born for adversity. Wow, people blessed by the Lord. I just love this, man. It's just such a beautiful picture of heaven. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they're still talking about their own needs, I'll just go ahead and answer their prayers. I love that. God says, I'm going to start answering your prayer before you even finish praying it. You know, he's so eager, so eager to care for us and to help us. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. Snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken, you know. Again, when it says, I, the Lord, have spoken, that just means there's nothing else to say here. You don't have anything to add to that, and you'll never take anything away from this. I, the Lord, have spoken. I, I, I love that. So what I say, this is God's vision for the future. This is what God is making. This is the new heavens and new earth that he's creating, and he's the creator, so he can do it any way he wants, and this is what he wants. So the question isn't you know, whether or not this is going to happen. The question is whether or not you're going to be a part of it. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, 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 that's the real question. Uh, remember, it's a salvation judgment oracle, and he's very, very clear that it's the remnant. It's those who follow him, put their faith in him that will experience this. Uh, not everybody's going to see heaven. Not everybody's going to live in the new heaven, the new earth. And, and it's just the truest thing I know how to tell you. Um, but that choice is yours. You get to decide whether you're a part of this. And I guess when it comes right down to it in your own heart, and only you know your own heart, but you have to want the things that God holds for you in the future more than you love the things that you can have on this earth without him. Does that make sense? You have to want the things that God has for you in the future, the things that he's holding for you in the future. You have to want those things more than you love the things you have here on earth without him. Uh, you got to want him, you know. 
that's chapter 65. One more chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 66. Read Isaiah 66. It's not that long, 24 verses. But when you read it, just pay attention. Isaiah chapter 66 is sort of shocking and breathtaking in the way that it is. It gives one of the clearest, if not maybe the only real, I don't know, it may not be the only one, but it's one of the few references to hell in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it's usually just Sheol, a place of the dead, where you don't know if it's good or bad, actually. It's just everybody, the dead, all seem to be in Sheol. But but no, Isaiah sees hell for what it is and is able to talk about it. That's Isaiah chapter 66, and that is Monday morning at, at, at 10 o'clock. Listen, this weekend, Woodburn Baptist Church, 8, 9, 3, 11, it's Food Truck Sunday. We're inviting WKU students and everybody else to come on out on Sunday, starting at 1030, we'll have food trucks lined up outside. From 1030 to 130, food trucks will be serving. You'll get to, you have to purchase your own lunch. The church isn't making this for free, uh, but we have lined up um, uh, Mario's Pizza, uh, the taco truck, uh, and then Cassie's Barbecue, which is amazing. All of these are amazing. The church will provide drinks. Bring your lawn chair, bring a tent, whatever you want to do. Set up with your group, your family. Uh, hang around, fellowship, and, uh, and enjoy good food on Sunday. That's this Sunday, food truck Sunday. Uh, and then, uh, of course, if I don't see you then, I will see you Monday morning at 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. I, I love you guys so much. It's been a good week. Um, have a good weekend.